Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about PSG's goalkeeper situation. We're going to look ahead to the next couple of fixtures for PSG and then talk a little bit about the January transfer window, which is quickly approaching. Uh, but first, make sure you subscribe to PSG Talk Extra Time on Substack. It's free. We've got columns from myself and Jonathan Johnson uh, from CBS Sports. And then visit PSGTalk.com for all your latest PSG news. And if you enjoy this podcast, PSG Talking, make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. All right, let me bring my guest in. Making his triumphant return to the podcast is PSG10. PSG10, how are things on your end? I'm back. Good to be back. Everything is going great. Happy holidays to yourself. How are things with you? Yeah, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, Christmas is quickly approaching and the new year will be here. Hopefully, we'll have a little Champions League football to look forward to, but we'll get into all of that with PSG here shortly. But I wanted to have you on because uh, of anyone on my Twitter feed, you have had the strongest opinions about Gianluigi Donnarumma, PSG's goalkeeper. Let me set up what the issue is, and then I'll turn it over to you, and you just let it rip. So uh, okay. basically, Donnarumma, he arrived uh, during the 2021 summer transfer window on a free transfer from AC Milan. And ever since, you, you have to say he hasn't quite lived up to expectations. I was a believer. I thought he should start over uh, Keeler Navas. I thought he was the future. But clearly that's not working out. So while he does dazzle with his shot-stopping ability, he is shockingly poor with the ball at his feet. And mentally, we've seen him make mistakes that goalkeepers at this level just shouldn't be making. I think the final straw seems to be that match against uh, Lahav. Uh, Donnarumma received a red card for kicking a guy in the head. And his backup new signing, Arno Tenas, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, he came in, performed exceptionally well. Um, so with all that being said, let me turn it over to you. First, what is your take on Donnarumma, and what should Luis Enrique do at this point in the season? Well, I have not been um, a Donnarumma believer from the beginning. You could tell. You, you followed me. Um, this isn't just based off of um, last last week's match where he got the red card. Um, it's, his, it's his profile. It's his propensity to make mistakes. Um, I never, I personally never thought he should have replaced Kaylor Navas. I feel like Kaylor Navas might be one of the most disrespected players in the history of the game. It just feels like all the guy does is win and perform and all teams want to do is replace him. It's the weirdest thing, but, but going back to Donnarumma, it comes back to the basis of when teams press us, when we are building up, we are playing 10 on 11 just by pure numbers. He's not good whatsoever on the ball, and teams know that. So they want to funnel the ball to him, and our team knows that he's not good with the ball. So essentially what happens is you have a situation where when we have the ball, teams press us up, and the, and the reason why I say the other team has 11 and we have 10 is because they utilize their goalkeeper to take away our long balls. So if you notice, there's not a lot of long balls to like Killian Mbappe in our buildup, for example, because the keepers are pushed up. So they're playing 10, we're playing pretty much down a man. And if you look at the spine of our team, when teams press us, when we're in the buildup, Marquinhos makes a lot of mistakes. Skriniar is not the best in the ball. We know Donnarumma is not very good on the ball. Ugarte doesn't like to be pressured. He back passes a lot. He's not somebody who's accepting of the pressure and going to control the game and try to and try to progress the ball. So when that's the spine of your team, um, you have 
basically a ceiling on how good your team is going to be. Because when you play a team that knows how to press, like a Newcastle, you're going to struggle. And when Newcastle pressed us at their place, when they were playing in the first half um, before they scored and they were setting up that mid-block, mid-press, you saw PSG really, really struggled. Um, And I think that if you add in tennis, just by adding him there, you're improving PSG's uh, chances of winning. Because not only, um, if you think about the first goal that um, that Marquinhos let up, if you had a ball-playing keeper there, he probably just goes back to the keeper. And that goal doesn't happen, right? And there's just countless examples of that. And there's countless examples of Donnarumma having the ball and looking like a fish out of, the wa- a fish out of water. And I understand he makes some incredible saves. I'm not saying that he's without talent and without ability. But even in that department we've seen in the UCL, he, he is mistake prone and he lets in some extremely soft goals. The third goal versus Newcastle, very soft goal. The, the goal versus Kings of Common, very soft goal. And there's been, and there's been other kind of just, you know, very savable opportunities where shot stopping is supposed to be his elite, um, his elite trait and it's not shining through. So for me, I wouldn't hesitate to start Tenas because I think he makes us an overall better team, even if his shot stopping isn't as good as Donnarumma's. I, I, I think that his ball playing ability, um, if and even if it's not him, somebody in the future, we need somebody who could play for the for, uh, play with the ball, especially if PSG wants to build from the back. A lot of really good points there, and one question I had is, you know, how much do you you blame Donnarumma's performance? Due to PSG's poor defense, you've got Skriniar, who is quality, but he's slow. You got Marquinhos, who is mistake prone, and now he's injured. And we've had to, you know, replace him with Danilo and others. So we don't really have that solid core backline. I think that does play a little bit because they are having to maybe play back to Donnarumma, and that's probably his weakest playing with the ball at his feet. If you just go back to the beginning, um, you know, coming from AC Milan on a free transfer, we saw Donnarumma, you know, win the Euros with Italy. You know, six foot five, he could come out, he can claim balls that other goalkeepers just simply can't get to off of a corner. There was a lot that I liked about him physically, and I have seen him do it again in the Euros. Um, but ever since then, game after game, it, it was it's getting harder and harder to defend him. And I know some people might come for me and be like, Oh, I told you, you know, Keeler Novice was the guy, and and so it took me a little while, but I'm getting there. I, I think that you know what I saw against Lahav, we saw against Monaco, where he just instead of booting the ball down the pitch, he just gives it away and it leads to a, a scoring opportunity for Monaco. It's just time after time after time he's making these mistakes, and at some point you just got to pull the plug and say enough is enough. Now he's on enormously high wages. It's going to be difficult to get rid of him if you bench him. You know, goalkeepers notoriously kind of get in their head a little bit and they're the, they're probably the one player that needs to be consistent they need to know my team's counting on me and consistently play and and so if you go ahead and bench him I, I do worry you know it's kind of like in the nfl you you bench a starting quarterback it's really hard to get them to come back in and and play at that same level that they were before so um i do worry you know if we bench don Ruma, it's probably going to be the the end of his time at psg um so for you you're, you're thinking Tenas is the guy over Keeler Navas because Donnarumma is going to be suspended for the match against Nantes. So you're leaning towards the youngster. Absolutely. I'm le- I, I want to see Tenas. I want to see what he could do on the ball. You know, I, I think with, with Donnarumma, um, the problem with 
using things like the euros and international play is the games are very different right in the euros you're not playing against a team who's going to be as well drilled as a club team you know you get these guys during an international break you know for 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 one or two weeks you know somebody comes in carrying an injury isn't even able to train um, you know you're playing against these really low level competitions so you don't have an opportunity to really drill a press um, and press as a cohesive team so the presses that you're facing in international football and just the players quite frankly that you're playing in international football aren't as good and then when you look at italy they're very defensive driven that's why they're so good in these in these tournaments um PhD very good play. defensive backline very good exactly they're very solid defensively so psg aren't going to play anything kind of like that and then when you have a luis enrique luis enrique remind you this is a man who dropped david de gea david de gea is one of the best goalkeepers ever he's like a manchester united legend and he dropped him because he couldn't play with the ball um and he brought in simon so um so I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Enrique makes a move now or in the, in my opinion, his days as the PhD goalkeeper were numbered when Enrique took the job. And I don't know if you remember versus um, Leon when he booted, you know, that long ball that got it intercepted and actually ended up being an Mbappe goal, ironically, but it was intercepted and we intercepted it back. This is not a Luis Enrique kind of keeper. He wants somebody who's good on the ball. I want, I, the reason I want Tenas is because from what I know of him and from the limited things that I've seen of him, he is like playing with an additional outfielder. He's got a lot of pace. He can sweep up, so you can, which, which you accurately named with, with screening are being slower. You need a keeper who can run a little bit. Even when Donnarum was coming out and trying to sweep, he looks so awkward and kind of he's he's not built for the way that we play and the way that we're going to play in the future. He would be best on like a low block counter pressing Premier League side or one of these low block um, Serie A sides. He's not meant for an attacking build from the back team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if he went with Navas for the experience, if he was looking to uh, make a – and I think Navas was carrying an injury. I'm not sure if he's back yet. But if he went with Navas because he wanted to go against Dor, I believe and I truly believe that Donnarumma is the biggest liability um, on the team. And he used, when we saw this versus Newcastle, they only had two clear chances last match, and they both came from his mistakes. He had a, a poor pass to Akimi that ended up getting intercepted, and then he just spilled that save for an easy tap-in, which he should eat up. He should he should throw his cap on that and eat it up. So um, if I'm in, if, if I'm Luis Enrique, I wouldn't. And we've seen him. He's not afraid to make a big move. Um, I wouldn't necessarily worry about the psychology um, of Donnarumma because the, the psychology of him right now is probably pretty low with the way that he's playing. Um, and if I were Dortmund, and and I'm going to counter press. I think I'd rather see Donnarumma than Tenaz, to be honest with you. And if um, and there's a good interview with uh, Pep Guardiola, and he talks about um, pressing a team who has a good keeper, and nobody presses better than Man City. He did an interview before the inner game, and this is when Onana was still good. He did an interview, and he said, it is almost impossible to press them when you have a keeper who can play from the back. 
And I have to believe that, that Lucho knows that. So that's where I'm at with it. I would, I would make that switch. Um, and, and I would, I would start with Nant and I wouldn't hesitate to do the switch, uh, for Dortmund. We've seen this season, Luis Enrique, he's, he's made bold decisions here in the Champions League, you know, whether it's leaving Vitinha on the bench or, or going with four attack-minded players. So would he bench Donnarumma in favor of Keeler Navas? I, I think it depends. Whoever plays against Nantes has maybe a good opportunity to play at Dortmund because it's not a place you want to go where you uh, have a goalkeeper who's maybe a little mentally fragile, who can't play with the ball at his feet. Because you're going to be stand, standing there between the, the pipes and the yellow wall is going to be behind you. Now, I know mm-hmm. he went to AC Milan and played decent there uh, as the, the dollar rumors were raining down. So, you know, he, he, had, he can do it, but do you really, with your Champions League life on the line, do you, do you want to roll the dice with Donnarumma? It sounds like you don't. I'm kind of uh, going in that direction. What I don't know is do I want to start Tenas or uh, Keeler Navas? Keeler Navas would be the safe bet. You go with him, and if it doesn't go your way, no one's really going to blame you. You went with the the experience, the guy who's won multiple Champions Leagues. So that would be the safe bet. But what we saw uh, with Tenas against Lahav, and we saw all of the players. We saw uh, mm-hmm. Kylian Mbappe posted on his Instagram story, just hyping him up, all the players dapping him up, everything after the game. It seems like the locker room might know something about Tenas that maybe we don't yet. They, they oh, see yeah. him in training. So, I mean, any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. They, they One thing you can't do is you can't fool the players. The players know. He was attempting passes, and he was attempting to play balls. I've never seen a PSG keeper even try um, against Lahav. okay? Um, he would be an absolute weapon um, for us. You know, I don't disagree with you that going with uh, Navas could be helpful because Navas is a pro. You know, he's, gonna, he's a consummate pro. I have no doubt that he's going to put in a performance – um, if we have to put him in in a big match versus uh, versus Dortmund, um, but I am really curious to see this kid um, to see to see Tenas. You know, especially you know we've seen guys go into um, hostile environments and and put in a performance. Um, Zaire Emery's been doing it this entire Champions League. Um, you know, he's a young player; he's seventeen years old. So if you have something about you, if you have the skill. Um, you know, and I, I just, I just can't see Tenas as any more of a liability than Donnarumma is right now. His shot stopping in the UCL has not been great. We know he can't play with the ball and he panics. That's the worst thing when he get. it's one thing not to be able to put the ball where you want it. It's another thing to panic. Um, and he just does that. And he's, for me, he's an accident waiting to happen. And he puts a cap on this team and I, and I just feel like we're not going to see that many chances against us, against Dortmund anyway. Um, I was looking at the UCL stats. I believe we're second in possession. I think we have 65% possession, and Man City has 69% possession. When you're dominating that much of the ball, and I don't see that changing against Dortmund, they're not going to come out here, try to dominate the ball and leave us spaces in behind, knowing that um, you know a draw, they, they, you know, they're number one, um, a draw when they're, they're going to finish first in the group. Um, and they're likely going to get a lesser opponent in the knockout stages. So um, I could see them playing, you know, uh, a counter uh, playing very defensively, maybe not as defensively as they did in Paris, where they were in like a six back basically and didn't play football at all. 
Um, but I do think that they're going to sit and try to counter. So with that being said, Tenas is not going to see that many shots against him. But where he can help us is in the buildup, um, is when they counter press, being able to go back to him, sweeping up. He looks much more athletic. Um, he looks very quick. Um, his reflexes look very strong. Um, so if it were up to me, I, I want to see this kid again. I want to see against versus not before I answer that question of him or Navas. But I would go to Tenas or Navas. I would not go with Donnarumma. Very interesting. And, you know, Tenas, I mean, he was brought in the summer for a reason. You know, Campos just doesn't bring in guys as filler. You know, you don't get to play at Barcelona in that academy and, and you're a scrub. You have to have some ability. And the fact that he is sort of shorter in stature, especially compared to Donnarumma, most goalkeepers are, but just the average goalkeeper, I think Tenas is, is shorter than usual. To be able to get to that level at Barcelona and be able to be recruited by PSG, you must be able to show something. Your reflexes must be very special. You must be very good with the ball at your feet. And these are all things that... PSG need so I think I'm with you I'm leaning towards let's see what the young kids got let's see him against Nantes if he makes a crazy error then maybe we either go back to Donnarumma or we consider Navas but let's I think that's the move I think there's a lot of momentum behind him right now so I'm with you I want to see more of this kid um it's just funny early in the season I don't even think I could name him and now we're saying against the against Dortmund in the most (laughs) crucial game of the season let's go ahead and play him yeah we all know him um, let, let's see here. Is, when we talk about the match against Knotts, we talked about Tenas potentially coming in and starting. What else do you want to see in the starting lineup? This is the final tune-up before the, the Dortmund match. Who do you want to see in there? What, what do you hope the mentality is? What are you hoping to take away from that match on uh, Saturday, I think it is? I think if you're starting Tenas, you have to start a strong lineup because you're going to want to see how he looks. Um just in general with the team, how he gels with the team. Um, you're going to want to see um, – you're going to want them to get used to him. You're going to want to see what else, what he can additionally offer. So so typically in this situation, I probably wouldn't go um, with a stronger lineup just for fear of, uh, of an injury. Um, but I think in this situation, if you're really considering a goalkeeper change – I think that you have to give Tenas an opportunity to play with the back line, to play with Marquinhos, to play with Skriniar and and Lucas and Ugarte and, and whatnot. So um, I want to see it. One thing that I would do, um, and I don't think he's going to do it, I would get a look at Danilo in the midfield. Um, when Danilo is at center back, one of the things that I like is his passing. And it's because he's got a, a midfield background. So um, I believe he's our best passer of the center backs. And I think that that's going to be important because when I watched the uh, the Newcastle match, I thought that we really struggled to break them down. And there was like a lot of this horizontal passing between the midfield and nobody either looking to penetrate um, with a pass or looking to penetrate with dribbling. And I think that Danilo might be able to offer it. They're also extremely physical and pretty big in Dortmund's midfield. Um, and from the reports that I've seen, they're thinking about going with Vitinha and Lee um, in the midfield. Um, and I think that you just need a big physical presence. So 
Versus not, I wouldn't mind getting a look at Danilo in the midfield and seeing if that's something that might be able to work for Dortmund. That's a really good point. We saw him uh, playing at center back, but I I wonder if you could move Lucas Hernandez as a center back and then start uh, Mukiele at left back, and then that would free up Danilo to move into the midfield because we are going to be missing um, Zaire Emery, who's still recovering. Hopefully we'll be back after the winter break. So there is a, a little bit of shuffling that Luis Enrique is going to have to do. I also wonder... If uh, do we go ahead and start Gonzalo Ramos as uh, as the striker and maybe put uh, Colomani on the bench, who hasn't really been you know firing on all cylinders uh, since coming over in the summer? So I wonder if maybe giving Ramos, who you know to be fair, has kind of struggled a little bit, but I think he provides a little bit more of an aerial threat. I wouldn't mind, especially if he can get a goal against Knotts, that'd be great mm-hmm. uh, memento for him going to Dortmund. So that's what I'm kind of hoping to say. Well, you know, I look at. I look at this a little differently than most PSG fans. If Kylian Mbappe were to leave, the replacement is not Xavi Simons, it's Gonzalo Ramos. And the reason why I say that is because when or if Kylian leaves, your most accomplished goal scorer at that point is Ramos. So you're more likely to look for him. PSG don't really look for him um, from that standpoint. What I want to see is I want to see Mbappe as the nine, and I want to see Barcola um, on the wing and Dembele on the other wing, or if he wants to do this as a tune-up, either Asensio or Ling or, or Kenyon Lee on that right wing. I feel like when Mbappe is playing as a number nine and not a second striker in the 4-2-4 or as a winger, he's got a lot more freedom and he's on the ball, and especially versus Newcastle when they did move him into that nine spot he was kind of running the show and we were getting chance after chance after chance after chance after chance and you see how nervous he makes these center backs and you can't you can't triple team him like you can when he's playing out wide so when he's playing out wide you've got the wing back coming back you've got the right cm and then you've got the right um you've got that right uh the right back so he's kind of tripled up there that's much harder to do when he's in the center of the pitch and he gets far more isolation and you see his movement is a little bit better. So for me, um, I would I want to see a, a front three of Barcola, Dembele, and Mbappe, which is what we were going to see versus Lahav until we got the red card, you know, five minutes in. So um, I, I think I would like to see that front three or if we're going to do this as a dress rehearsal, um, maybe Asensio, or um, or Canyon Lee on the right because at that point um, Asensio and Abape are probably going to switch where Asensio's you know going to play some false nine who he looked really good before he got hurt um, but uh, I think that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, you're a big uh, uh, Barcola guy and, and I'm I really like him as well. Every time he, he doesn't seem afraid of the moment, he misses his chances, but he's also creating the chances. He's getting into the right spaces, so um, I'm really high on him and, and his potential. Um, he's a great player. Came over from Leon. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What else uh, do I have here? Can I get a prediction or just your overall thoughts on that match against Dortmund? How do you think it's going to go? I mean, on match day one, PSG comfortably 2-0. Dortmund never really threatened. Kind of had that game taken care of. But now the pressure is is at an all-time high. So what are you expecting from that one on December 13th? I honestly don't know. I the way that we've played on the road is 
somewhat putrid ROA form. It's been really, really bad um, in the Champions League. Um, AC Milan have been outplayed by basically everybody um, that they've played so far. And yet we're the only club they were able to, to, to get a result on. Um, and it came at home. Um, I think that Dortmund, they're going to give us our opportunities. We just need to take them. And it can't be like Newcastle where we're missing these just glaring opportunities. Um, these sitters, these, you know, the, the, these great opportunities to score. We need to put the ball in the back of the net. And I know that that sounds simple, um, but we need to finish our chances. The other thing is, um, is we need the early season version of Ugarte if he's going to start. Um, right now, he's not offering us much. Um, in the beginning Ugarte of the... might be suspended for this one, if I'm not mistaken. Is he suspended? I know Dembele suspended. I'm not sure if Ugarte suspended. I'll, I'll double check, but he may be, yeah. Check, but if he is going to be there, um, if he is indeed available, we need that early season version of him. We need him to stuff these counters, help us win the ball back, um, be a little bit more disciplined. We're going to need that. Um, and, and, and one of the things I'm a little afraid of is starting two small um, uh, midfielders. I think that makes us incredibly susceptible on set pieces. You know, when you have two small guys like that um, and you don't have, and if you're going to go with Mbappe at nine, for example, you don't have another big striker like a Moani or Ramos to help you out on some of these crosses. And PSG don't defend crosses well to begin with. Um, so really the only person you're going to have that's great aerially would be Marquinhos. So um, that scares me a little bit. Um, but I have to believe that they're going to figure out a way to win it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not somebody who goes in there thinking that his, that his team's going to lose. Um, I think that they need to be the favorites in this match. They're a better team. They've already shown this team that they're a better team. Um, I think that Dortmund, it's good in the sense that Dortmund has in the back of their mind, no matter what, we all know, we all know psychology is important. They know in the back of their mind they're through. Um, so they could drop a stinker. It doesn't really matter. They're through no matter what, you know, I'm not sure. so sure how much their players are thinking about, you know, coming in second. So I think that they have that psychology and they're going to be facing a desperate team and PSG are going to get chances and they need to finish them. So, um, if I had to predict, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go with, with, with PSG, uh, three to two. Yeah, you want to be optimistic because of that first result, but we haven't seen this team play very well away from home. Um, they miss a lot of opportunities. You you can't imagine a world where PSG get you know thirty shots again, um, and and have an XG of four or whatever, and they and they yeah, get the even straight by accident. with a late penalty. I I just can't imagine that's going to happen again. If they can create half those chances and, and finish a couple of them, we should be. Should be fine. Even, you know, you win, you top the group. So that that has to be the mission. Nothing else matters. They could probably still qualify, I think, with a draw. I know Newcastle are missing maybe potentially their goalkeeper who played really well against PSG. So there could be something there. I think PSG have the tiebreaker over AC Milan on goal difference. It gets a little fuzzy, but the priority has to be just win. And I was looking. I can't. 
I can't find if Ugarte is spending it or not. I know he got a yellow card, but I, I, if he plays, that certainly is going to help the midfield because uh, Zaire Emery will not be there due to injury. So mm-hmm. I, I think for me, I want to be confident, but I, I just don't know. I have a feeling that maybe this is going to be tied 1-1 with the 10 minutes left to go and we're just going to throw the kitchen sink and see what happens. And maybe we, we scrape by and get a late winner. So I think it's going to be heart attack central uh, for, for PSG fans. Yeah. It just hold on. I don't think this is going to be an easy game. If we, if we win, it's going to be a late winner. So just hold on tight. It's, it's never easy if you're a PSG fan. No. Uh, P, PSG 10. Let's uh, let's change gears a little bit here. Let's get away from the, what's going on on the pitch. I want to get your thoughts on the January transfer window. Our first question is, what are your expectations in terms of Kylian Mbappe? There was a report I saw Real Madrid might make an offer in January and they're going to give him a deadline. Just, But essentially, do you think we're going to hear anything substantial about his future in January? Um, I think it'll depend on what happens against Dortmund. Um, I think that those rumors will start to get louder if PSG were to lose. Um, I don't think he'll leave the club in January um, because why would Real Madrid offer a fee for somebody they're going to get for free in a couple of months? Um, So I do think that those rumors start to get a little bit louder um, as we get to, as we get to January. I don't think in, in some ways it won't matter because they're going to, you know, there's going to be tons of reports. There already are every day. You know, there's like a new report. He's staying, he's going, he's staying, he's going. I don't think anybody really knows um at this point idling that he's probably a goner um just based off of you know some of the things that have come out and the fact that he hasn't resigned um but i don't think that we're going to know definitively until closer to april because i think he's going to want to have this figured out um before the euros i don't think he's going to want to go into the euros with a contract situation yeah it'll just overshadow everything and then, and then you have the uh, Olympics in Paris, which I believe he's eligible to play for. Will that play a role? You know, will, would Real Madrid want him playing in the the Olympics and the Euros, and then getting ready for a season? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so either, so. because he would have to. He would have to essentially miss training. Yeah, he he would be coming to a new team, essentially missing training, having had no break, going directly into a season with a brand new club. I'm, I'm not so sure that they're going to want him to play. And then, and then, you know, having left Paris, they're going to want to subject him to being in Paris in the Olympics and then coming back. So I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure that they're going to want him to do that. And then you get the whole image rights situation. Um, we just saw a new picture come out where Kylian Mbappe was uh, wearing one of the retro PSG kits and, I don't know. Just the the more stuff that's coming out, I I just feel like the club. He's been here so long now; it, it's really ingrained. He's from the city. I I feel probably more confident about him staying now than I did maybe before. Interesting. But like like you were saying, a lot of it's going to depend on um, if we can beat Dortmund and top the group. Because I, I think he's looking ahead. He's got Javi Simmons is coming in. We're going to talk about the the young kid Moscardo uh, potentially coming in January. Mm-hmm. If we can just get the defense and the goalkeeper situation kind of sorted out, this is a really, really good team. And I think Mbappe oh, yeah. knows what they're building here. Yeah, I mean, Is I mean, he going to want to share no the spotlight with Jude Bellingham over at Real Madrid? I don't know. I One of the things that has been pretty constant is that he definitely has feelings for 
PSG that he doesn't have for Real Madrid. I think that he sees Real Madrid as a means to accomplish certain goals. Um, and I think he sees PSG as a part of who he is, if that makes any sense. Um, I think, I think it's, it's the, the country. I, I think he, yeah. he loves his the, the yeah. patriotism. Kind of like, you know, we're Americans. We love the USA. Go USA. Exactly. I think he has that exactly. for France. I think so, too. And I think that if we were talking about AC Milan being in this race, I think it'd be totally different because it's widely publicized how much he loved Milan growing up. Like, I think that's a part of his heart. So I think that if Milan were actually in this, um, you know, he might have left a long time ago because we know he loves Milan. He speaks Italian and all that stuff. I think that um, it, the weird thing is, is that PSG and Mbappe are in two totally different timelines. Mbappe needs to win Ballon d'Ors and Champions Leagues now. PSG is kind of rebuilding. Anytime you bring in 13 new players, you get rid of Neymar, you get rid of Messi, you get rid of Marco Verratti, who's a club icon, basically. Um, you know, most games played, probably the most trophies won. Um, you're in rebuilding mode. Um, so for me, getting out of this, out of the group of death and making it to the round of 16 is a win. Um, I'm not necessarily sure he sees that as a win. And, um, you know, I, mean, I just if, long, if he can just win the Euros with with France and get to the knockout stage, we just saw with uh, with Messi. It doesn't matter if you don't do well with your club team, as long as you win a major international tournament, you're Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Isn't that what I, they just told us? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> we know that the rules are different. Um, it's true. We know the rules are different for Messi because um, you know France won uh, the uh, uh, France won the World Cup. And, and Griezmann won um, the Europa League, and he still, I believe, finished third um, in the Ballon d'Or. So we know that the rules are, are, are different for Messi when it comes to that standpoint. But as far as, as Killian goes, I don't know what he's going to do. I do I do think that um, because he hasn't resigned um, and some of the things that are coming out, like Madrid preemptively making these, making these statements – um, and the way that they're treating it now, they're leaking that they're that they're they might be into Holland. I do believe that that he's going to go ahead and go to Real Madrid at this point because I, I can't I can't see this current iteration of PSG. Um, um, you know, we're not there yet in our project. This is the, we're four months into our project. You know, um, and, and, it, and it could take years to, to build um, a proper project. So I don't know how far this team could go. But. And he did say he wanted to be part of a project. He wanted to be at the head of that project. I don't think PSG are, are that far away. Like I mentioned, Xavi Simmons is coming in. He yeah. is a phenomenal player. And oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. We, amazing. I mean, he, he is just lighting up um, the Bundesliga, Leipzig. We're just maybe a couple players away. Ugarte, he's great. We've got Zaire Emery. There's mm-hmm. a really good piece in here. He's got his friends on uh, uh, yeah. the France national team. Again, I it feels I like a matter confident. of time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels like a matter of time. And what the, I'm, this is the most confident I felt, and, and I know I say this every couple of years, and PhD fans say this, but this is the most confident I felt on a project. We have a, a competent manager who has a style of play and something that he was. You know, you watch some of these other teams with these new managers, and they're like two years in, and you have no idea how they want to play. We're four months in to PSG. We know exactly how they want to play. Okay, and you see it on the pitch, which is very encouraging. So we have that. We have a competent, very. This guy really hasn't failed in Luis Campos as our sporting director. 
Okay, and I and I had my issues with him, but I'm finding out pretty quickly. The guy knows what he's doing. Okay, and then Nasser's a closer. Okay, he's kind of taken a step back and realized that he's a former tennis pro. Okay, and when we need you to come in and close a deal, that's what you're best at. But it needs to be consensus of everybody who everybody who wants. I was very happy with the transfer window that they had and the and, and the way that they're going about their future signing. So I feel pretty confident. Um, and what this project can do. And I feel like if Mbappe does end up staying, um, I, I find it unlikely, but I think that if he does, um, that, that PSG are going to be what Man City are now. They're going to be that team that everybody looks to every year um, to win the Champions League and to look and win, to win trebles and stuff like that, just the way that they're building the team. So um, that's that's what I think. I hope he stays, but there's just a lot of malarkey out there. You don't know what to believe with all the, the nonsense reporting. Like it's some, some of it's just for interactions. Let's be honest. It, it really is. Yeah, no one knows. And I think I'm with you. I don't think we'll hear anything substantial in, in January. Potentially, if PSG aren't in the Champions League, maybe we'll maybe. get some credible reports, but it's still unlikely. Uh, PSG 10, let me get you out of here because there was a little bit of news. Um, I mentioned earlier, Gabriel Moscardo, currently at Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumored to be close to signing for PSG, he, he we are his preferred destination. Could could be signing in January potentially. So he's 18 year old uh, Brazilian midfielder, highly touted. Several top clubs are interested in his services, but he wants to come to PSG. I won't ask you to break down his game because I'm sure, like me, you probably haven't seen too much of him. But mm-hmm. what does his potential signing tell you about maybe PSG's future transfer business that they're looking at a player like him? Yeah, it tells me quite a bit that all of the things that they've been saying over the last several months are actually real. You know, that they're investing in a project um, that we're not just going to, you know, be a a, a retirement home um, for, you know, aging stars looking to get their big payday. Um, You get a young kid that's fighting to come to PSG um, that has offers from a lot of the top clubs, which... It's also funny people say, you know, PSG isn't a destination. We have a kid here, um, Brazilian kid, who's, um, you know, can go pretty much anywhere and he wants to come to PSG. That tells you a little bit about how attractive our our project is and how attractive PSG is as a destination. Um, So that makes me incredibly excited. Um, The fact that we're investing in our midfield, I think that's the next place we need to invest. I think we've done a lot of investing in the attacking um, department. I don't know where they're going to play Chavi. They, they might play him as like a hybrid midfielder attacker. I don't know. Um, but, you know, having this kid in, having Sharon Dorr, who the reports on him are fantastic, that he's just a young, growing player. and They're, they're just bringing him along. And the, the little bit that I've seen of him, I've absolutely loved. Um, he looks like a specimen in the midfield. Yes. So adding a guy like this, and I think Ugarte needs to get pushed a little bit. I think he needs mm-hmm. genuine competition. Um, you know, somebody who can come in. This kid might not be able to provide it at his age, but you never know because Zaire Emery seventeen, um, and he basically sent Verratti uh, uh, to, to Qatar. So um, you know, who knows? Let's see what this kid. Let's see what this kid could bring. I'm excited about him. I haven't gotten a chance to watch him that much, but the things that I'm reading and hearing about him is that he's the real deal. Yeah, he's from what I've seen. You know, from the the videos, I, he fearless out there. Um, main position i'm just looking on transfer market defensive midfielder and you know he's not afraid to put in a tackle so i i liken him a little bit to ugarte and so maybe he comes in pushes him a little bit uh for competition i really like it i think the more we can get 
tough uh, players that come in with that mentality, like Ugarte. I, I love that style of football, players that are just fearless. And, and you surround them with players like uh, Xavi Simmons and Mbappe mm-hmm. and Barcolo. These players have a lot of flair, Dembele, and you've got this this kind of like fearless, tough core. And then these players who can just dazzle and score goals. That I feel like that's the perfect balance. We saw last season, um, you know, under Pochettino, just a very unbalanced team with Neymar and, and Messi. We're getting mm-hmm. that balance now. We got players that can put in a tackle. We've got other ones who can score screamers. So I think it's great. The future is bright. I'm like you. Maybe we've said this before, but very high on this project. Hopefully Mbappe sticks around. Uh, but PSG 10, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have any final um, parting words you want to say before we let you run here? No, let's just let's get this win uh, versus Dortmund. You know, I got I'm, I'm I'm actually hopping on a flight to Paris right after the match. Nice. Um, so it's either going to be the best flight of my life or the worst because I'm also going to a game. You know, next you uh, in like two weeks. So so I want it to be a happy time. I just want to I just want to get out of this and get to the round of sixteen um, because you know we're we're good enough there and. Whoever sees us in the round of 16, they're going to see a team that they don't want to see because the more time we get together, the more time Luis Enrique gets with his team, the only difference, they're just going to get better. I echo everything you said there, and I'm jealous you're going out there. It's going to be great. Hopefully when you get to Paris, they'll be partying in the streets because we've topped the group. We beat Dortmund, so we'll have to see. And you get to the knockout stage, anything can happen. You know, the ball bounces away. You get a little bit of a luck, a VAR mm-hmm. call, as we saw. Mm-hmm. You know, anything can happen. PSG a good draw. Run. We have the talent to win. I mean, we don't maybe don't have the experience playing together, but like this mm-hmm. team on paper should make a deep run. We just need to get there. So hopefully we can get there. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for listening. As I mentioned earlier, if you enjoy the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review and uh, check us out over on Substack and PSGtalk.com. Again, this is Ed with PSG Talk. Follow me at PSG Talk. And until next time, bye, everyone. Bye.